Awesome gentleman, great friend, Craig Ferreira. Um, Craig, welcome. Welcome to the Story Edge. Um, just awesome, to give... awesome, awesome. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, cool, man. Um, you know, here we try and what we do is we help busy business leaders really, we try and connect awesome stories to people that are out there trying to make things, trying to change the world, trying to change, just create the change in their world and really add stories to them that will make their lives better, in, increase their productivity, and just make them be better at home, at work, in all aspects of life. And you are one of those people that um, I've always leaned on, that, that, I'm, that I watch in the market do different things out there, um, teach a different way of thinking, and I just thought we, we should connect again um, around this and really just share a bit of that uh, around that message. Um, so welcome. Thank you for very much for joining me. Bro. Awesome. 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 And I, and I think it's, it's, it's totally relevant um, for me to be here, especially with uh, in, in alignment with your business, so to speak, because you know, your business model is all around creating a story for a business, you know, and, and, and helping people get their story clear, obviously, so pe more people can engage in their business. But I think, you know, on a, on a personal level, because at the end of the day, a business is run by people, by a person, entrepreneurs, business owners. And, you know, at the end of the day, every single one of us have a unique story that we tell ourselves. Yeah. You know, and we, we've taken on scripts, we've taken on characters, we've taken on a story in our personal life in terms of what success means to us, in terms of what failure means to us, um, and in terms of how to navigate through these trying times that we find ourselves in post-corona pandemic or not post it we're still kind of in it mm. um but i think it's, it's so relevant because of the story that we're spinning to ourselves, and that's really going to dictate the, the the success that we create in moving forward um and it, you're so right you know i love i love the fact that you that you brought up the fact that we're telling ourselves stories you know we're, we're telling ourselves some and and i mean many people are, are unaware of the stories that we're selling ourselves um in in I mean, as you were talking about, as you were talking about um, the, the 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 pandemic and and that whole story itself, um, I was I was especially just thinking to myself, is it that we found ourselves in there, or did we just create this whole story, right? And I, and that is really that is really the the the, the crux that we constantly find ourselves in. Um, being someone that that teaches people about building. Their, their own mental narrative. Um, I mean, we didn't really talk about your background. So, so let's just start there. Um, so Craig, Craig is, is, is someone that, that taught me, um, that, that, that still teaches me how to just to, to really use this in a whole different way to create the life that you really, really want. And obviously no one can speak it, can, can teach it better than you, Craig. So just, just give us a bit of a background around who you are as Creative Frequency um, and, and, and what you help people with. Cool, so my story in other words. Um, 
so ultimately, I guess just to cut a, a long story short is, you know, I started in the humble beginnings, just like the majority of people do in the modern day, in the modern world. Grew up in a household um, where it's pretty much a broken home. Mommy and daddy were married, but there was no love at home. And at a very young age, I looked for love outside of the household because it wasn't there um, and landed up in drugs very quickly at the age of 16 years old. While I was on the drugs, um, my aunt gave me a book on NLP. And from that moment onwards, it literally changed the, the trajectory of my life. It, it changed everything. And it evoked a new passion, a new inspiration, a, a new drive inside of me that was beyond the drugs. And it was a space for me to actually find connection within myself. Um, and fast forward that story uh, very quickly from the age of 13 until the age of 20, 21, I was literally on cocaine or any, any other drug for that matter, but mostly on cocaine um, pretty much six days a week using all the skills that I'd learned about, uh, not just NLP, anything and everything, mind power, quantum physics, manifestation, uh, law of attraction, p uh, potent, uh, the peak potential, uh, mind power, you name it, I went to study everything. And I literally remember at a point in my life, sitting at a crossroads and asking myself um, a, a very pertinent question that was gonna change. And little did I know how powerfully that would change the rest of my life, and that was, you know, I, I literally saw myself sitting on the side of the road as a bum, you know, and begging for money to, uh, to support my drug habits, or I saw myself helping people. And I didn't know for the life of me um, what helping people meant. This was about 13, 14 years ago. Um, but I just chose that because it was something inside of me that was yearning to help people. And from that moment, I, I literally took all the information that I knew around mind power, I stopped the drugs without any rehab or any, any of those sort of things to get out of it. And I stopped the 10, 11 year habit um, pretty much overnight. It took me about two, three years um, of relapsing, but eventually got over it. And from that, as I say, the rest was history. You know, since then I've just been dedicated to supporting people, um, living a life on purpose, supporting people get into their peak potential. Um, for the last six years, I've been training high level creative function. So pretty much that's the psychology behind creating, innovating, and adapting. Um, and obviously in the fourth industrial revolution, that's one of the core skills that we have as human beings. And in the last year and a half, um, I've, I've kind of redesigned myself and been focusing a lot more to support small business owners in sales and the psychology behind sales. Um, because obviously well the sales game has changed over the last 10 years, 15 years, it's constantly changing because of social media and everything else. So in a nutshell, that's who I am and where I'm at, brother. So I just want to take it back because I want to go back. I want to go forward into, into, the, into the, whole, the, the whole sales and rethinking business, et cetera, um, and how you had to sort of pivot because everybody had to do that. The, 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 with, with what happened with, with the, the, the pandemic, the current situation, we have to change. Right, so I definitely want to jump in there, but I want to roll back a little bit because you spoke about being, you, you got the, the NLP book and then that drove you into a, a, a spiral of learning, right? Obviously it's yeah. practice, mess it up, get back on the road. You're talking about two, three years, possibly even more um, because the, before you got, the way I understand the story is like, before you got to that crossroads, um, you, 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 you were already in the process of studying, right? Um, and yeah. that's, what, that's what made that other vision extremely clear. And then, and, but at the same time, you were still playing with your past and, and, and your current life 
and and you know this 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 adrenaline this this fix that you're on already right so in between that and and going through all those learning those learning curves so so it's that itself was its own sort of drug right going from i mean you talking about quantum physics and and, and mind power and moving from course to course i mean you are avid learner and and anybody who's successful loves to learn you know in one way or form um can you talk about that i mean like what was that journey like um and and, so and 100%, I, think, I think like if anything like one of the the most pertinent things that i've really come to learn about human beings about life so to speak and, and living on purpose because you you know could you could you imagine cristiano ronaldo being cristiano ronaldo in cricket you know, it's, it's, uh, we've all got what we call in our training uh, innate and a unique genius. So when I'm talking about a genius, I'm not talking about your IQ level. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, what is your purpose? What is your true potential? Where does your true potential actually reside? And um, purpose is, is a very loaded topic, so to speak, because what I've come to see over the years is most people think like purpose is a, is a moment like where, where, the, where the heavens open and the bush sets on fire and it's like, wow, there's your purpose. You know, yeah. this is what I'm here for. Yeah. But it's really not in that way. And I've noticed a lot, even with entrepreneurs, like failed entrepreneurs, people who want to be an entrepreneur, they've got that drive, but they just can't find the, what they're passionate about or what their purpose is. And, and they flounder around in a lot of spaces. So I think, you know, what the uh, finding NLP and pretty much anything to, about getting true potential. I wasn't necessarily the NLP, so to speak. That's just the modality. But yeah. what really grabbed me into that was human potential. You yeah. know, living on purpose and human potential. And I was very blessed at 16 years old, that I was or 15, 16 years old, that I was able to find that. And the how do you know that that is your passion? How do you know that is what you love? Most people are on the wrong side of the fence. Most people think they're passionate about what they do, but it's just because that's what they know what they do. Right. Uh, but how do you really know if you're passionate or if it is your purpose or that is where your true potential really resides? I think it's that curiosity. You know, um, as you're saying, most successful people are learners. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they, they learn from books, but they learn from um, doing. You know, that's how any successful business is created. It's learning from doing it and experience it, finding people that can teach you, observing what others are doing. So it's not necessarily just a book or a video that you're learning, but it's, it's something that piques your curiosity. And it's, it's almost like you, as you're saying, it's like a drug. It's like you can't put it down. It's like, it just piques that curiosity. You always want to know about it. And the funny thing is when I was 27, which was about five, six years after I stopped the, the drugs, um, I, I remember it was 26, between 26, 27. I remember going, okay, I need to start a business and sitting in a seminar and they said, you know, do what your purpose is, do like your passion. For the life of me, I just couldn't figure it out. I was going with what mommy told me, like, you know, going to engineering because that was my previous career. And then I was going to what my dad did because my dad was in, uh, in, um, in, in workshops and, and manufacturing machineries uh, or plastic products to, with machines and that kind of stuff. My brother was in plastic recycling. So I knew all those areas, but none of them really spoke to my heart. Yeah. And it, it was the craziest thing. As much as I loved at that point, it was already 12 years I've been studying this. And as much as I was so curious and loved self-development or human potential rather um I, I, I couldn't see it for the life of me it was right in front of me and i couldn't see it until the one day i went there it is and that was where i made the the change to make that or the change in my life to turn that into a business awesome awesome so 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 you you when you got into the business when you got into the business the into the world of events because 
I mean, that's where you had to pivot, right? Because your world was around teaching and getting groups of people into rooms, right? So I just want to go when you started out, because when you started, you, you had to now get people into rooms, get, start teaching them for free, um, start connecting with them. Um, you, did, you didn't go the normal route, did you? You didn't like go like, okay, so I need to learn how to speak first. And then, <laughs> so could, could you, going back to that thing around genius and connecting with that, because now you found your, your purpose, you know, you found like, ah, there it is. It's been staring right at me. Now I take action and I start moving towards it. How did you start to take that action? What was your like, your very next bunch of things that you started to do? Because to move from, I have no idea what I'm doing, to then running rooms and, and having people in seminars, is a massive, massive gap. Can you talk about that? And considering I, was, I used to sit in front of a PC every day for a career as an engineering, so I would literally sit and design stuff on a PC every day for the, for the mining industry. Um, so I think, I think the, the, the most important thing there was, is you, 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 see, you hit the nail on the head, is I took action. You know, I, I started taking action. Um, what I've noticed with most people, and it's, it's, it's quite contradictory because you're saying successful people learn, but also on, on the, the paradox to that is the most unsuccessful just want to learn, you know, they just want to learn and learn and learn and learn and they never want to take action because they, they fear that they're not good enough. They fear that they're going to mess it up. So they want to learn more. So for an example uh, or metaphor here is like, you know, you get an entrepreneur and he wants to start a business and then they go out and what do they do? They go, they go, Oh no, you know what? I don't know anything about accounting. And then they go do an accounting course. Right. And they finish their accounting course and then they go, need to start the business. And they go, no, 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 I can't start the business. I need to learn social media marketing. Yeah. And they go learn social media marketing. And then they go, no, 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 no. Then they finish that and they go, no, no, I can't start the business. I need an MBA. But you can see that's lots of doing. That's lots of um, time wasting, I guess, in essence, you can say. It's not to say that those skills aren't relevant and you shouldn't learn them. But is it relevant in terms of right now, in terms of starting a business? Right. What is the business? In, in its basic form is, is a transaction between two people where it's a handover of money. You know, that's starting a business. Now, when, you, when you're acting and as you're acting and you start building this business, you'll find your blind, your, your blind spots and you'll learn those things. Yeah. And it's, the craziest thing is the people always arrive to teach you the lessons. You'll always land up with the mentor. You'll always land up with the book. Or you'll always land up with whatever it is that you need to learn that, but in the transition of action. Right. You know, because you'll never truly understand your blind spots until you start taking those actions towards what you want. So for example, at the beginning days, um, I remember like it was, it was a very compelling vision for me and I was like, I'm going for this. So I quit my job and I went, I'm going to go turn this into a career. And that was in 2013, September, 2013. I remember so clearly leaving. That was so daunting. Most scary thing I've ever done in my life. I left it. And I got out into this big bad world and I started going to schools and like, you know, trying to pitch a product and a service, uh, trainings that I want to do. And I learned very quickly that there's a lot of work that I still need to do. So I actually landed up within the next three months going and getting another job. So the 1st of December that year, I landed my first job um, mm -hmm. again. And, but ultimately I kept acting. So I went, okay, cool. So there's things I need to learn. So I started coaching. So I started small, you know, and I think that's, that's the, the most instrumental thing I want to say in terms of action there's a big misconception in the self-development world that you need massive action, you know, just massive action, massive action, massive action. But that's, it's a very daunting idea. 
you know, because there's no confidence behind it. So you can't take massive action. You're more than likely going to self-sabotage and fail taking massive action if there's no confidence behind you and your skill, your abilities and your skills. Mm. So start small because all success is, is, a, is, is a series of steps that, that creates a massive momentum and that massive momentum creates confidence. But not only does it create confidence, it also creates success. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's one of the, the biggest misconceptions. Everybody thinks like, you know, okay, for analogy, bringing it back, taking away from business, taking it to something more practical. It's like going, okay, cool. Well, I want a six pack and a, an amazing body and a big, huge chest. And I want to put on an extra 20 kilograms of muscle. You don't go to gym once and make that happen. And that's what most people assume massive action is in terms of a business. Right. So back to my stories, I started small. I started coaching people, you know, and I started coaching and in those times, well, instead of coaching, I was actually training them what I was learning. Um, and then I was, I was learning on that small scale. So I'd have somebody in front of me that had a problem. And then I would train them with what I know so that they can deal with that problem. And then that incrementally just got bigger. Then I went and I got uh, uh, all the group of people that I was coaching at the time. And I got them all together. And I put them into a room, which is like 10 people. And then, and then I saw what that was. And I, and I learned about the venues and and you start learning all those new things. And, and that was pretty much the transition that I made in terms of creating my business and turning it into what it was. And, and, and so so it, it, it's really about just progressive and moving and, and, and integrating the learnings, right? Um, it's, it's very interesting. Like my, my wife and I, we have a, a, a thing that, I'm, that I'm, we're constantly trying to do in terms of what did you realize? Because I started to notice how much goes by in a day of things that we take for granted in our normal, in our normal days and our normal transactions, right? In terms of closing a, a, a prospect, um, putting a, a marketing piece out there, um, even just asking questions, you know, when, when you have the, these distinctions start to pop up, when you try something new or when you do something, and if you're not aware of what you're doing and you're not making it, part of your like okay this is this is something i don't know you you won't know you don't know what you don't know right and then you start to know something as soon as it gets into your into your face so that and this is really what you're talking about and and when you're noticing these things obviously things get daunting so you mentioned right and like well we're talking about this that maybe it's like a, a, a fear factor or some element of not feeling good enough or, but i mean like that's like calling it what it is because you have a strong awareness of what's happening inside you but when we're going through these like um let me call them we're going through these phases of of getting stuck in the learning process um we're not like consciously aware of it we're just feeling like we don't have enough to to, to go and do whatever we need to do. And we just getting distracted by this next shiny thing, whether it be a course or something else I need to learn. So, I mean, how did you, I mean, is it that the fact that you were just constantly integrating everything that you learned or was it that you were just on, kept on like, freaking hell, I don't have it yet where I'm talking to people in the rooms where, where I'm teaching people. Um, I haven't read, re I haven't gotten there yet. So what was, what was that thing that kept on pushing you to keep on going and, and realizing I've got these things that I'm missing. So now instead of you going to go and learn the course or whatever, even if you, you probably went to go learn whatever you needed to do, what made you go and take the next action and take the next action and take the next action? Cool. 
So I think I think just to take it back in, in terms of of um, who I am is, and then and then I'll open up into the rest of the question is, going back is I always used to love everything with human potential and, and what was the best way to know if something works? How do you know which car is the, the best car for you? How do you know which is the best bike for you? How do you know who's the best partner for you? You know you you got to try it on so to speak and and with all the all the modalities and self development that are, that are that I was learning over the time. I'd always take it and I'd apply it into, into small arenas, into safe arenas. So I used to love sports. I still do. Um, action sports, so indoor soccer, indoor cricket, and, and, and that kind of stuff. Mm. And then I would take it and I would go apply it into those spaces. So once again, it was the starting small, and I would see what was working, what was giving me constant results. And most of the stuff mostly gave me oscillating results. Um, like I'd get results half the time, and half the time I wouldn't have results. Or some things were just giving me no results. Um, but what was the, the one thing that really kept me more than anything? Well, I think it was the vision, you know, like in, in terms of what I was after. Like, I, remember I told you at a young age, or when I stopped the drugs, it was help people, you know? And so that was fueled from a long time ago. But I think I also just had that motivation of hating my corporate job um, that I was like, it's, 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 I, have to get, I have to create this business. I think that was my, at the time, the pain of my, of my corporate job was, was more, was more, scary to me staying in that space and, and progressively growing through a corporate structure not to say that that's a problem but for me it was um you know that going through that that pain of staying there doing that mind numbing stuff being a a rat on a treadmill or a rat on a, a on a wheel you know that 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 pain hurt me more than than failing you know than then going out and taking action and learning these things so I think the, the vision of creating my own business and then living on my terms, so to speak, was more compelling than the safety of, of that paycheck. Um, mm -hmm. So that was why I pushed. So while I was working the job, I was pushing and creating the business on the side. But I think, you know, coming back to the stories that we're speaking about is the most important thing here is to understand your story that you have, because what is that fear? What is that not good enough? Why do we always want to be learning is what are you avoiding? You're avoiding failure. You know, and, and what is your story around failure? What story do you, do you spin to yourself? If you fail, you know, what, what is the story? What is your definition of failure, even for that matter? Does failure mean that you're a deadbeat? Does failure mean that you're a screw up? Does failure mean that, you know, that you're a terrible person, that you got it wrong, that you're bad? I don't know, what's your story around failure? Also on the other side, what's your story around success? You know, because some people chase a success that's an illusion that's based on the American dream, for example. You know, and but it's not true to you. But that's that's definition of success was projected outside of you. So my definition of success wasn't like what I grew up with. Like my mom told me, in engineering, or in, in, in running factories and, and creating plastic products or recycling plastic. That's that's what my family was. But you see, that story of success wasn't my own. And when I understood what my story of success was, then then I could start painting that picture, so to speak, towards that success. Number one. And that meant something to me. So I was compelled for that because it was my story of success. Mm. But the most pertinent one here is around failure. And most of us avoid failure at all costs um, mm. because the, the educational system has actually taught us that failure is bad. Um, if you think about it, if you, if you go write a test and you get 60%, if you get 30%, if you get 20%, what is that showing you? If you got 60% on your report, then all that's showing you is that you're missing 40% of the picture. If you've got 30%, it shows you that you're missing 70% of the picture. 
If, it's, if you've got failed at 20%, it's showing you that you're missing 80% of the picture. So does that mean that you're a failure or is it just showing you that there's a loophole that you need to learn more in that space to close that gap? Okay. Now, most people want to learn because they think it's going to give them confidence. Um, and if we look at the word confidence, if you break the word confidence up in its true definition, it comes from the word confide. Now, what does confide mean? If, if I confided in you, what does that mean? I trust in you. Mm. Okay. So how could you confide in yourself? How could you have confidence and confide in yourself if you've never taken action towards something? If you've never, if you've never shown yourself that you can do something. So as a baby, how do we, ha how do we have confidence in walking? Because as a baby, we confided in ourselves and we, we tried, we, we created, we innovated, and we adapted. So every time we fell, we got up when we learned. Okay, well, cool. My balance isn't right. Coming back to the exam, you're 20%. You can stand up 20%, but you keep falling. Okay, cool. So now I need to learn balance. Okay, then you're learning that. And then you start walking. Now you walk fast, you fall over. Okay, cool. So I need to learn to slow down and, and how to gain that. So that all gives you confidence. But you can see it's a series of steps that created that confidence in the first place. Mm. Now, without the action, you never create the confidence. Mm. Now, why don't we take the action? Because of the fear of failure. But what is failure? In, in creative terms, in, in, in entrepreneur's terms, as, as anybody who's successful's terms, all failure is, is your ability to adapt and innovate. That's what failure is. It's, it's your ability to adapt and innovate. And it's never failure unless you give up. Um, if I write my test and I get 20% and I give up and I go, cool, that's it. I'll only be 20%. That's me. I'm a failure. Or I go, cool, I've got 20% this time. I'll get up. I'll learn harder. Next time I can get 30. Next time I can get 40. And incrementally, I can get up to where I want it to be. It's, it's Thomas Edison. He failed 10,000 times, but he didn't say I failed 10,000 times. He looked at it as innovation. True innovation is your ability to fail and get back up and try it again. It's, failure is showing you what's not working. It's showing you a blind side. It's showing you a gap that doesn't work so that you can innovate and adapt around that to make it work. 100%. 100%. And so, so I, I mean, there's, it, it's sometimes a, 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 silence, a silent silencer, <laughs> let me call it that, in terms of, in terms of feeling like I'm trying something and then I'm failing um, and, and the, I'm, cause I'm just like, cause I, I've noticed there's a lot of people that I know in my life who they, they, they don't even attempt it because of that, that, that shroud or that, that shadow of what failure could feel like, could look like, could be like. And now that movement from, and, and I really think there's this, I've been thinking about a lot. There's a lot of energy that actually goes into even taking that smaller step because you had to go out and find those clients. You had no clients, zero. How between that and then getting that first coaching client, that must've been also quite a big step, right? Um, 100%. So, so, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's very easy for, for, for many people. I mean, like some people like, like me, I think like you as well, because you, you're, an, you're, an, uh, you're an extrovert, right? So you, for you, it's like, okay, I'm just going gonna, gonna to do this and then you go ahead and do it. But for, for many others who, who have so much happening for them, how do they start to take that step towards something that they want? You know, what what would you say is that, that, that step that they need to take in order to just cool. getting there? So I think the uh, first thing that I, want, that I want to touch on there is you say it's easy for me because I'm an extrovert. 
In all honesty, I'm not actually. Growing up, I was totally, totally, totally introverted. And I think that was one of the reasons why I got into the, why the drugs were so compelling to me because it gave me confidence to go up and, and connect with people. Um, so this, this side that you see is, is the redesign. This is the side of me that's been recreated. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and I've literally molded myself into this person. You know, on, on my day-to-day, -day, on, on my normal basis, if I'm in, in a situation that I'm unfamiliar with or I don't know or it's overwhelming, I go very introverted. I go very mental. I go very much into myself and I disconnect from the world. Mm -hmm. I go aloof, so to speak, you know. Um, but it's just, I think, like, as you're saying, it's, it's that fear. But how do you take that step? For, for me, it was always a matter of being sick and tired of being sick and tired, you know, is... I knew uh, there, was, there was a moment in my life where I had to take on my own happiness and I had to take responsibility for my own happiness and stop assuming that it's outside of me. Um, and it was to just, it, it, was, it was the unhappiness and the unperformance of being sick and tired of being sick and tired, of living unhappily. You know, waking up every day into this rat race and going, oh, another day. You know, looking at other people excited, looking at other people having all the results I want looking at all that and, and that pain of staying the same was was more than that pain of stepping out and going and doing it so the one of the things that i always say there is you 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 within yourself need to become sick and tired of being sick and tired and it's you know in sales in anything everybody's got a pain point you know and, and you got to understand yourself and understand what is your pain point and are you going to stay with where you're at and that's a choice you know you've got two choices in life you can stay where you're at you haven't been you are not who you are because of your upbringing, because of your, your, your country that you live in, the area that you live in, your, your ethnic class, your race class, um, your parents, your, your school, your education. None of that stuff, it, it matters because it's your upbringing. So I don't want to take that away. I don't want to take the empathy away from that. You've had those experiences in life. But you are not who you are because of those circumstances. You are who you are because you choose to confide in those circumstances. And that was something that I, that I came to learn in myself is, you know, if I want something, it's, it's up to me to go and get it. I can, I'm not a person that will sit back and blame others for my circumstances. If I want something, it's one of, one of the motives also why I push through in, in one of the toughest industries in the world in, in terms of being up on a stage and a speaker um, is because I'm not somebody who would sit back and, and go, you know, there's all these problems in the world and I see them, but I'm going to moan about them. I'd rather go take action to do something. Mm. So I think, like you're saying, how do you get over that fear? What's a practical tool that people can use is start putting yourself in circumstances that make you uncomfortable on a smaller scale. You know, so if, if you love sports and you're sitting at home all the time, then go sign up to an action soccer or action sport um, um, team, you know, or go bungee jump or go jump out of the airplane. Okay, that's, those are big things, but you know, go on a hike and go meet new people. There's, there's so many different things like meet up where there's people all the time meeting up and going on hikes. So go put yourself in those, whatever it is that that arena is that's, that's fear that makes you scared. For example, I was introverted, so I would go on a hike. You know, I love nature and that kind of stuff. So I'd go on a hike with other people and then it, you, it puts you, or there was a stage where I had to drop all my friends because most of my friends, if not all my friends at the time were drug addicts. So I had to go out with other people. And I didn't have friends other than drug addicts. So I used to go out with, with, with new people. Or I'd go out by myself, for example, actually. You know, I'd go out by myself. But because I'm by myself, it forces me to engage with other people or have a miserable night and go home by myself. You know, so 
it was always, I was just stepping up the level in terms of, of the, the, the tension, of the, in terms of my thresholds of what was comfortable for me. And, and I would just always, like, you know, go and engage a conversation with somebody or instead of going doing a sale, you know, I'll just go start, talk to somebody, you know, and then gradually ramp that up and ramp that up and ramp that up, so to speak, as I would go. And it's all the different areas that I would do that. So, so I think this is a great segue to move into, we all got dealt a beautiful, this is what's going to happen with all of you, right? So that is in terms of, in terms of the coronavirus and, and how we have to live our lives. That, that is one of the, that is one, uh, what negative space that everybody was like, I, we were super uncomfortable really fast. Okay. Just going to that from that, from now your, 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 your business got hit quite, it was impacted quite a lot by the, by the pandemic and still is. How did you now, obviously it's like, I can't continue like this. I need to start to change. I need to innovate. I need to adapt. Um, I need to move. What were those steps now that, 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 took you into into where you are right now and where are you cool so 100 percent, you're 100 right especially because i'm in an events business um my business for me personally was all about momentum because i don't i don't deal with massive large numbers i don't deal with hundreds of thousands of people or thousands of people i deal with like 50 to 100 people in a room and that kind of stuff and even lesser times uh, between 20 and let's say 20 to 60 people in a room so my business is all about momentum because people would pay me off for a training for, for advanced training, for example, and they pay me off over six months. So now I'd have 15, 20 people paying me off. And as soon as pandemic happened, um, what is the first expense all these people cut was me because mm -hmm. the trainings are no longer there or they didn't see that as a, they, they didn't honor those, those agreements anymore. And I totally understand there's no resentment on my side. It's totally understandable because life got serious <laughs> very quickly so i think and then I, I to be honest i actually took it for granted in the beginning the first month or two i was like oh, man, this thing's gonna blow over and then we're gonna be back to normal and after two months that momentum in my business uh, dried up very quickly and my resources dried up very quickly and i think you know one of the one of the things and that that caused massive turmoil in, in my life because from me earning a, a fairly decent income on a monthly basis um, and having that good income and being able to provide for my family and, and support in our, in our household and that kind of stuff to literally overnight just having my coaching clients, which literally just covered my bare expenses, you know, aka the, the, our domestic worker, aka my child's school fees, my child's um, food, or milk and nappies, um, the electricity. So it was like bare essentials and then uh, adding a little bit to groceries, the rest landed up onto my wife's um, and to her accounts, and thank God she was in the PPE field, that's her business before COVID even. Um, so she had a good month in the beginning and then that also dried up a little bit. So all of the stress came from us as a collective to just her. So that created massive, massive problems in my personal life. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it literally did because it was six years, seven years of my life that overnight it was outside of my hands. It, it wasn't in my hands, it wasn't in my power to to create uh, that that happened that killed my it literally killed my business overnight um and i think one of the things that really got me out of that um and it's not to say that i'm out but i went into a dark hole i went very depressed i, I went very much into a dark hole and, and like poor me the world's against me. i became very victimized even though i'm trained in this um but i think 
in essence, it was the most beautiful thing that could happen to me because it, it gave me empathy to understand where my clients come from. It gave me motivation to become better at what I do. And it showed me that there's so many other ways and dynamics of my business that I can, I could have been doing my business. Um, so once again, the only thing that got me out of that hole, number one was thank God I had such a supportive wife in, in, in the process of that, that supported me through that process. Although it, I, I did directly create a lot of tension in our relationship, which almost killed our relationship because of my actions. And ultimately, my biggest lesson that I've learned through this is people are not, because I saw other people in my same industry thriving and killing it through these times. And then myself, because I was running in a certain way all that time, it dried up and, and my business died. Mm. And it was never, ever, ever about my resources. Mm. And successful people aren't resource driven. Successful people are resourceful. Mm. Where unsuccessful people are resource driven. Um, unsuccessful people are all about time, money, resources. That's, that's all they're focused on. Where true entrepreneurs, true successful people, true drivers are resourceful. And they're resourceful in favor of the, the bigger picture. And, and you can see it, the, the results are evidence in terms of, you, you can see it, especially if you're dealing with people on, on a continuous basis and you observe for it, you get the successful and you get the, the unsuccessful and then you get the, the people in the middle. And what's, what's the, the common thread between all these people, so to speak, that, that works with all them, is their resourcefulness. Um, and it's, it's, you can complain about resources or you can be resourceful and creative. And you can look at it. Most, most businesses, look at Steve Jobs, started from his garage. They had nothing. You know, uh, how resourceful was he to create Apple into the empire that it is today? Yeah. Look at um, Elon Musk. You know, he's resourceful. He was at a time where... He was living off a friend's couch, you know, having to borrow money for food and running Tesla and SpaceX at the same time, but he was resourceful. In the last year, I read a stat yesterday that's so mind-blowing. In this last year pandemic that we all find ourselves in, Elon Musk has upped his net worth $100 billion. You know, it, it, and what, what's the dictator behind that? It's just his ability to be resourceful. It's not that he's special, it's just that he's resourceful. And that's, I think that's the, the real dictator of true success. And if we think about it, coming back to the start, it's a story that we're spinning, isn't it? 100%. I need resources to be successful. I, I mean, don't need resources. I just need to be resourceful to be successful. They're two different spectrums on, on the same line. It's so true. Uh, when, when, when during, during lockdown in South Africa, I, I had gotten, somebody had sent me, or somehow I heard uh, a, a little clip. It was, it was only audio of um, Simon Sinek. And, and he basically said, in business, there, there's no such thing as, un well, in business, there's no such thing as unprecedented because we constantly have to deal with problems. We constantly have to change the way we do in business. So the thing of this unprecedented story is not really, is, doesn't really exist for me. It's only about like, how can you adapt to the situation as it is? And then he started speaking about some, um, obviously, in New York, they, in, at the time, they weren't in like heavy uh, lockdown. I'm not sure. I think they did go into heavy lockdown. But um, at this time, what they did was the, the, the restaurants wasn't like, yeah, like no one operated. You can't do anything. Um, but the, the, what they had done was instead of firing all their, all their staff, they had actually just pivoted the way that they, that they did business, started looking at um, how they could um, 
get themselves online, start to serve people online and make sure that, they, that those people that were fulfilling jobs that were now automatically or all of a sudden redundant become people that can just fulfill a whole different space, learn some new skills and still be performing for the business. And, and, and this is like the whole, the whole element of, of resourcefulness, right? Because we're constantly, we're either stuck in that world of like, oh my goodness, my whole world has changed and I can't do anything about it, as opposed to like, what can I do to, to, to make this work? So, so, really, so what did you do? So, then, so, so you obviously were stuck um, deep in the, in the stuff. You eventually started to work it out and you brought up that the, the, the personal element to it, which we tend to, it's like, it's like with, 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 and, and there was a lot of responsibility in what you, in what you're talking about in how you were dealing with your relationship. Um, and I mean that, that I guess without talk, taking too long on it, so it's just like, how did you, how did you start to come to that realization that, you know, it's me, it's not you. Cause obviously you're causing the trouble saying it's you, but when you, what, at what point did you actually turn it and say, wait, actually, it's here? Cool. So I think um, one, of, one of the things that I really, I, I really take for truth and I don't take it for granted, which most people do, is that I'm 100% responsible for my reality. Um, and after, like, I, I went and I tried to do the PPE realm, like, you know, like everybody else did. And, and then that just wasn't working. And everything I was trying, everything I was touching was just falling to pieces. Nothing was working for me. My relationship was falling to pieces. Um, I was disconnected. I was unhappy. Like I was just in this big bubble. And I, and I just came to terms like, you know, what I told you just now about getting sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm. And, you know, I just got sick and tired of being like that because I was like, this isn't me. You know, I know this isn't me. I, I'm usually full of life. I'm usually happy. I'm usually a life bringer, not a life taker. And that, taking that responsibility really just got me to sit back and go, dude, what, what role are you playing here? You know, at the end of the day, who's responsible for your reality? Um, Tracy, my wife, she's going on a date today. She's bringing in money. She's doing a normal thing. You know, if we look at everything else, what's, what's happening on my side? You know, and, and, then I, and then I started to disconnect from the pain, so, so, so to speak. And I started stepping outside and just observing what was happening, like in reflecting, I think is a better word. On, on what happened, where my life was, because bearing in mind, like the, the end of last year, I was in um, PE doing a, a training there, a sales course there. The beginning of this year, no, I was in East London last year, sorry. Then at the beginning of this year, March, I was in PE just before COVID, the pandemic, uh, we went into lockdown. So I had everything going, I was living the dream. I was living like royalty and then I lost all that. So I started reflecting what, what happened and, and I saw how much role I played in this, how much unhappiness I was bringing in. And how much of a victim I was playing? Because uh, Tracy would always like tell me, like, you need to push, you need to do this. And I kept playing the victim. I was like, but it's not my fault. It's the pandemic. You know, and when I start saying things like that, it's not my fault. That starts bringing up a, a, a sense in my head going, it's not yeah. your fault. Really? Who's responsible for your reality? Actually? Yeah, yeah. Who took yeah. the action? <laughs> who, who took it for granted? Was it the pandemic? And if it's not your fault, how come... These other people that, you, that you're looking up to, they still succeeded. They're growing a business. They've, they've changed their business. They're doing new things. They're not crying about it. They're not saying it's not my fault. Yeah. And then I started questioning like, wow, you know, when I'm going, it's not my fault. Then, I, then that started like sparking something off with me. So then I, start, then I started re-shifting my focus and I started, I started changing the momentum. 
and like you said, I started asking, well, what can I do? And then I went and extorted my, my Facebook page um, because I kept saying, oh, I can't run an event because I don't have money to market. So I went to okay, but you've got two and a half, 3,000 people on your Facebook um, friend list. You know, go and extort that. So I went and extorted that and, and my groups that I got and my past clients. And then I went to put on a sales training at three days and I did it online. Uh, and, then I, and then I recorded that and, you know, then it just then that started bringing money in, uh, like a little bit drips and drabs of money in. And, you know, then, um, then like, obviously there was lots of challenges through this, but, you know, then I had to go put on another event and I had to extort uh, the, the database again. But you see the two stories were, one was, I don't have money or resource oriented. I don't have money. I can't put on an event because it's COVID. Nobody's going to pay me. Ba 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 ba. I need money to get people into events. All victim orientated story. Yeah. On the other side, when I, when I started breaking out, now I went, how can I change this? What can I do? And then I got shit. I've actually still got a database of eight hundred thousand people, whatever the case is, on my email list. Plus, I've got a lot. I've got my friend list on Facebook. Plus, I got this. Plus, I got that. Now all of a sudden, I, and I started getting international clients in. Um, you know, so I started moving with that. Then I kept asking like. You know, then it was still causing problems. And my brother came to me and he went, dude, you need to take a step back now and you need to see what you're doing is not working. And that was like a, and I said, it was a real honest gut punching conversation to go, you know, what you're doing is not working. So then I started getting more resourceful. What can I do different? You know, how can I play this game different? And then I just, by posing a new question, you're posing a new reality. Yeah. You're looking for new information. Then I landed up meeting a guy that's, I'm creating a joint venture with that does um, social media marketing and you know, we're starting to work together and like, I'm not going to give too much away that, but that's just opened up an entire new spectrum, entire new realm, which still feeds into everything that I do regardless. Yeah. You know, because, um, and so I'm just like, everything's just since that moment, which was probably July, August in that area that I've made that pivot since then, I'm not playing a victimized game anymore. I'm playing a resourceful game in terms of how can I extort my resources to the best of my ability versus I don't have resources. And those two questions, those two stories create entirely new realities. Awesome. So now bring this, let's, let, let's bring this whole idea back to sales because there's a lot of people right now that believe that there's no money, right? The COVID, has made this space no money. A lot of people are saying that. What I would love to know your thoughts on it. And then, I mean, so this type of thinking, how do you now bring it into, into the sales process? How do you, how um, do you close these deals when there's no money, Craig? There's no money. <laughs> so once again, I, th I think it all comes down to story, dude. Um, it, it, it really, it comes down to the story that you're pitching yourself because what's the story that we're pitching? Exactly saying there's no money, the economy is screwed, there, there's a pandemic, there's all the stuff. But if, you, if you're honest about it and you can step out there and you go and look, you'll actually see that there is actually still a lot of money out there. Um, but so the question rather is, yes, there is a lot of poverty. Yes, there is a lot of jobs being lost. But why focus on that? And why be fixated on that story when you can change the story and go, how can I find the people with money? You know, that, that's a more empowering story, isn't it? Because there is still money there. There's, um, for example, my brother-in-law, um, he, he owns a, a real estate agency. And I remember in July, August, he, he, he told us his numbers. He did in two months between four branches. He did over 200 million uh, 
yeah, it was over 200 million between those four branches. And then I hear other real estate agents going, that real estate is dead. And you're going, what, really? Right. So, you know, it's, it's, it's the story that you're pitching at, you know, and I think that the most important part in, in terms of sales is where are you selling from? Are you selling from desperation? Because if you, if you think about courting, you know, like people trying to court each other and going to get into a relationship, a guy trying to pick up a woman, a woman trying to pick up a man, you know, interested in a man. When they're desperate, what happens with the opposite sex? When the one comes in desperate, what does the opposite sex do? Or even the same sex, depending on your, your flavor. But what does the, the opposite partner do? They repel you. They, you. they push away because they can smell your desperation. Um, and I think that's the biggest factor in terms of sales that most people are bringing into their sales now, especially because of that story that there's no money, is that they're coming desperate. And because they're coming in desperate, they're actually repelling their prospects. Okay. Whereas if you're coming in from a space of how can I serve more people, that's an entirely different world. And you're connecting with that person and you become more real, you become more authentic and, and you can connect to that and you stand a hell of a lot more chance of getting a sale versus being desperate. So I believe you. I believe you that and, and I'm totally in with it and it totally makes sense. It's just that it's super hard to be like, I'm there to serve. It's a very Zen space <laughs> when, you know, bills need to be paid. And, you know, I've just lost my job. My wife hates me. You know, how, like, where's that, that level of just, okay, how can I, that, how do I make that step, you know, that, that step towards something? Because I know, like, I've, I've myself been through those same situations. I owe people money. And I owe like the, these guys are knock on my door, possibly take my car away, take, take my belongings away and they'll do it during lockdown. <laughs> and how am I supposed to, how am I, and even straight afters, I mean, I didn't, I couldn't earn money when I went during lockdown, no one was moving, but now things come out and people are starting to call me. The stress is real. You know, it's like, this is really, really happening. And I need these sales today. And like how how do how do you step out of that into the space of that zenness so that I can go there and be like? Cool. So I think I think that's a misconception in terms of zenness, though, dude. Um, and I think the way that I can differentiate that is, with all due respect, what do my problems have to do with my prospect? It's it's got nothing to do with my prospect. Uh huh. You know, and by me by me vomiting all my problems onto you. Really? Like, you know, the way you need to see it is I'm sure you, everybody knows that one person that just drains you. Everybody's got that person when they, when they come into contact with them, they tell you their drama and their stories and you walk out of the room and you are draining. You're like, geez, I, I couldn't wait for that person to shut up. Yeah. Okay. So you bring in your problems into a sale. You are being that person. Here's your choice. And I'm, I'm painting a clear picture for your awareness. You bring in your problems, your debts, your issues. With all due respect, I know I got them myself, but by me bringing them into the table, like for example, I could have brought them onto this call and, and like, you know, going, oh, opportunity. I can, I can see more people here and I can extort them for money. And then I come here and then it becomes all about me. But if, if that's the case, I'm going to repel you. I'm going to push you away because I'm that, that, that auntie <laughs> that comes mm -hmm. into your house and tells you all the drama and just never lets you talk. Mm. and they just drain the life out of you. Or I can be that person that comes into the room that when I walk out of that room, you go, wow, 
that person actually makes me feel good. And remember, sales, sales is not about, people don't buy products for their fancy uh, gadgets and features, unless they are gadget freak and they're looking for those specific features. More often than not in a sale, um, but that, that's not really a sale, that's somebody coming to you to take it from you, okay? Um, but sales, when it's people engaged, people buy from people. And if you're coming in as that, that's draining auntie and spitting your problems and vomiting your problems into your prospects, that's you, 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 you're killing your chances at sales. But if you can come in there and honestly be a true leader, now what is a true leader? A true leader is somebody who can put their problems behind them and, and put you first because I'm working with you and put you first. And if I can put you first, I stand more chance of getting a sale. So for example, through this lockdown, uh, actually I landed up getting a corporate gig doing a sales training. And I asked them at the corporate gig there, I said to them, you know, um, who can remember a bad experience with the sales person? They all raised their hands. Everybody would like straight away identify bad experience with the salesperson. And I said, who can identify a good experience that you've had with the salesperson? You know how long they had to rack their brains to find that experience? Like that they actually had a good experience with the salesperson. And when they did, I asked them, I asked the, the, the manager, I said, tell me that story that you can remember. And she said, you know what happened to me? Is I walked into a, uh, whatever, um, whatever shop it was, but they were looking for washing machines, I think it was. And they walked, in there and they walked into a salesperson and they asked the salesperson, like, where's a washing machine? And this salesperson took them straight to the most expensive washing machine in the, in, that they had there and was just hammering them, hammering them, hammering them, hammering them. You got to buy this because you see, it was all about him paying his bills. Then she almost walked out and as she was walking out, another salesman in the same shop grabbed her and said, sorry, ma'am, can I help you? I can see you're a little bit disorientated. Please can I help? She goes, yes, I'm looking for a washing machine. He goes, oh, okay, cool. What exactly are you looking for? Mm. And you see, he put her first. He put her needs first. What exactly are you looking for? What budget do you have? And, mm. and, and, and she said, you know what? That shop almost lost my salary. If it wasn't for that person who actually put me first and it gave me that amazing experience where I felt like something, I would have never bought from it. And you can see that's one, that's one trip, one shop, two totally different experiences, but one got the sale over the other. Why? Because one put the, the, the client first, the prospect first, over their selfish needs and the other didn't. And you can see that's a clear analogy in terms of what we do. And that's what most salespeople do. Um, and I've, I've even had a story with one of my clients that said he used to be in sales in, in like life insurances and all that kind of stuff. And he always used to put his clients first and he walked up to the clients and, and he went to sex and done. And he said, okay, cool. Let's, let's see if there's anything we can do. They, they started creating a communication and conversation. And eventually, my, uh, he said to the prospect, he said, dude, listen, yeah, in all honesty, there's nothing I can help you with. Our company actually doesn't provide you with this because what you want is, is more exclusive and you can get that elsewhere. There's other guys with better products and services. The guy turned around and went, what? Excuse me? What do you mean you can't help me? Because he's so used to salespeople hammering him, forcing, forcing a funnel. So he said, that, that's, that's, I'm being honest with you. I can't. And he goes, no, 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 there has to be a way. I like you. There has to be a way that you can help me. What? product or service can you give me that will actually support me and that guy actually fought himself and sold himself because he put him first so mm -hmm. that's the space where i'm coming from so it's it's like maybe you look at it zen and it is zen in terms of you've got to disconnect from the outcome but you you got to put that person first because they buy from people not your your product well i say zen because because the, because you use that awesome word of just disconnecting from what you from your world from what you want and you selling to somebody else, so you have to you have to 
let go of your needs and your wants and actually figure out the needs and the wants of the other person. I love that. So how much, uh, there's lots of strategy and I mean, people think, because there's this misconception around sales that people think that they're not in sales. Um, but life has taught me that we're constantly selling, right? We're selling our ideas or we, we, we're selling our ideas to, to our children, to our spouse, to our family, um, to, to business people. Um, I mean, if somebody had to come and I'm pretty sure most businesses, if somebody had to say, look, I've got like um, 20 million, 20 million rand to invest in a business, uh, who, whose business shall I invest in? And there's like 20 or 30 um, business owners there. They're like, they immediately want to sell their idea, right? But, so, but many of them don't consider themselves salespeople. What are your thoughts around that? Like, so I think at the end of the day, is, as you say, rightfully so, that everything is a sale. That's, that's the, the, the primary point. Getting out of bed on time is a sale. You know, getting up to, to go push yeah. at work is a sale. Everything I'm teaching you here is I'm giving you tools and language to sell yourself to create change in your life. That, that's all I'm giving you is I'm providing you tools and a language that you can use in yourself to sell yourself to get the results that you want. Um, so it's, it's not necessarily, most people look at sales as a transaction of money. You know, it's, it's I need to get money from that person. Then I give that person a product or a service. That's a sale. And, and, and when, I, when I started doing that course and, and um, putting it together, I went and I looked at what's the, what's the definition of a sale? And, it's, and I even asked people for that matter, like if I'm in a group, what is your definition of a sale? Because remember the story that you spin around, whatever it is, is the reality that you're going to create around that story. The same way that in every story, there's a character, isn't there? You know, there, there's a cast, there's a character. And we know every character, what their role is. We know who's going to be the one that dies. We know who's going to be the hero. We know who's going to be the damsel in distress. We know all those characters. So it's about changing the story because you change the story, you change the destiny, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so with sales, everybody thinks that sales is taking money from somebody. It's, it's somebody who's going to extort you. It's, it's, and, and most good-hearted people don't like, can't fathom the idea of taking from somebody. That's, that's what most people think of sales, is taking from somebody. And so I went and I looked at what's the true definition of it. And, and the true definition actually comes from to sacrifice oneself is to serve others, okay? That's where the, the true origin of the word sale comes from, is sacrificing yourself, you know? So you coming in there and you sacrificing yourself, you're serving yourself. Now, especially coaches and people that like of high moral, they don't like to ask for money. They want to do services and they'll do it for free and they just want to be rewarded, you know? And it's like, and I just never go anywhere and I can't understand why. And they go, oh, it's because I'm not a salesperson. Mm. But you're not being a salesperson by... The, the best way I can define a sale is, and it's what changed my perception on it, because coming from an introvert, remember I told you I was an introvert, when I thought of sales, that was like, for me, it was the most demonic thing I could ever think of. Um, I, don't want to, I don't want to sell anybody. I want to serve people. I want to help people. Mm. You know, like that, that's where I was coming from. And, and sales, like asking for something, like what? Me? No ways. And I, and I learned very quickly that I had to. But my changing point was, that if I don't sell my product or my service, in my case, my services to my prospect, am I being of service to that person? Nice. I know that I've got an absolutely amazing product or service. I know I can transform the way you think about your life, your relationships, your sales, your business. I know I can change the trajectory of your life. 
I know I've got that. So if I don't sell you into that, am I being of service to you? No. no. Plain and simply not, because then that means you're going to go to somebody else, who you, they're going to get a lower end product and service than you have. And if I'm not selling them, I'm actually being of disservice to you. So it's, that was, that's, that's my changing. That's my story that I spun to myself, is if I'm not selling you, I'm being of disservice to you. Industry norm, you know, you come from my industry. What's the industry norm in terms of the live events? Upsell from a cold audience. Uh, cold audience, about 20%, I think. If, I'm, I'm all in the internet world right now, so, so I'm very confused. I'm, 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 <laughs> so, 5 to 10% in, uh, in the live event. 5 to 10%. Okay, so it's 20% of people that sign up will come to the event. Yeah, and free. of those 20% of the people that are at the event, so for example, 500 people sign up for a free event, 100 people will show up um, because that's 20% of the 500. And then of that 100 people that are in the event, it's 5 to 10%. That, that's industry yeah. norm. Okay? Correct. I, because I changed my strategy and I changed the way I thought about it and I changed the story, I was averaging 25 to 35% of cold audience. Um, so I was killing those numbers because I was coming from a totally different perspective. I was coming to serve my clients, not extort my clients. And, 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 and proof's in the pudding there, but it's where you're coming from. And that's the, that's the ultimate is I want to share here. In sales, where are you coming from? You're coming from your desperation or you're coming from serving your clients? Yeah. And I don't mean that in this way at all. No, sometimes you need to manipulate, persuade, do whatever it is in your power to get them to get into your product. They're on the edge, but you need to extort them to get them over, but it's to serve them. It's not right. to, to extort them. Right, right. So intention is really important. Um, intention with how you go into it is, is very important. In, in, as you say, with everything we do, um, whether we're communicating with ourselves, communicating with family, or communicating in business. So that's really awesome. So, so you've, you've got a book. You've got a book that's out. It's not out. I started writing it. I oh, you started. I thought, I, thought, thought it, I thought it was out. Okay, okay. How far are we in the book? So I think we're about three chapters in. Uh, okay. probably 40%, 50% of the way out through it. Uh, but as I've been doing my training, the, the book is evolving. That's why I'm taking a little bit of a pause on it. Awesome. Um, and so it, it is there. There still is some value there in terms of my training. I do do this training. I've got, uh, instead of spending three days with me, I've got it recorded where we actually do it. Um, my sales training, I've got a three-day training around this um, where we actually go into the psychology behind the sales so that you can change the story. You can change the script that you're pitching to yourself um, before you even go pitch there. And then I give you the fundamentals of how do you pitch to others. Um, right. And that's that's three-day course I've actually recorded. So I actually do it over three weeks or four weeks rather as to three days because I've noticed creating and adapting. You know, trying to get a business owner into a, a sales course for them to take three days off is is monumental for them. Yeah. Um, so I create and adapt. I do it over three weeks. I meet up with you once, uh, once a week over three weeks. Um, so for arguments like every Thursday night, we'll meet up for three hours. And we do a, a three-hour debrief there of what you've learned. And then the next week you go and you take what we've learned and you, and you learn the next day of training or the next chapter of training. And we meet up and we do the practicals and then vice versa. So that's, that's currently out at the moment. No, that's it's awesome. Not sales genius. Okay, cool. Well, we'll, we'll drop the links. We'll get, we'll get those links from you and we'll drop the links in, in all the stuff wherever this, these videos end up landing up. But, um, and even in the audio, like, everything will be in there but and that's awesome i mean the 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 thinking so the thinking component you help people deal with and then then you lead into obviously probably some strategy around selling and and, and ideas around how to sell 
Hundred percent. So what what the, the the course is? It's it's a fundamental course around sales, but it's fundamentally shifting your psychology, and then fundamentally understanding the process of sales. Um, and and I make that very very simplified and very clear because you know there's that one expression that says any idiot or any fool rather any fool can take something simple uh, simple and make it complicated, but it takes genius to take something complicated and make it simple. So that whole training is, is around changing your whole perspective and your whole story around what a sale is and understanding the psychology of not only yourself, but also your prospects in that. So it's, it's a life-changing course because it's changing the way that you think about yourself, the way you see yourself, the way you understand yourself. But ultimately, the whole point of that is so that you can understand your prospects. And then I show you the, the tool that I use that I've got 25 to 35% upsells versus my 5 to 10%. Um, that's that's making that difference you know so i literally 8x my sales because i used to average a five percent upsell and i literally 8x that overnight using this exact simple strategy so it's beautiful because it's from, it's for anybody from an introvert that hates the idea of sales like accountants to even people that are rocking and rolling in sales but want to understand the the psychology of it even more either way it's 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 tremendous value to you Awesome. Thanks, Craig. So the, uh, the last little bit I want to just touch on, because I, I really think just obviously knowing you for, for quite a period of time and, and engaging with your work and really practicing the work, because obviously you leave your workshops feeling good and, and all that stuff, but then it's like the, 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 the proof comes in the pudding, like in, in, the, in the nine months after, the year after the two years of practicing this stuff because you need to, you need to play with it and, and without getting too much into, into jargon, it's, 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 you gotta, you gotta really play with the tension of what you, what you're really looking for, right? In, in, in your world. Um, there's this, the, we, we kind of touched on in the beginning that there's this thing of I'm, I'm not enough, that I don't have what, you know, these other guys have. And, and, um, with all these, there's lots of people killing it out there. Um, and I am not, I don't have the things I'm looking for. How does, and I know we touched on this, but it's like, what, what does it take for us to really get deep in there and, and, and find, make it simple enough to, for us to take that next step and do whatever it is that we need to do and keep trying. Um, because like literally I, I find myself, constantly having to um maybe well look at something i don't know I, I don't i don't know how to do it i'll maybe go research it and then i'll i'll get like a, a framework i'll learn how to do it but then i feel i'm always stuck to the formula you know i'm, I'm like okay let me go back to that thing again and okay yes now i can do it we we need to get out of i i, I strongly feel we need to get out of that for that thing of having to lean on things outside of us to do the simple thing into tell ourselves we can do it internally and make that step and then continue with that learning what would what message would you give people to just sort of give them that confidence to find it in themselves and make those steps cool so i think i think the the the, the most important to, to close off on, on my end is that the, the, the self-development arena is actually rigged. It's screwed up. It doesn't work. 
And, and, and the reason that I, that I wanna, I wanna say that is because the self-development arena has worked on the premise that you're broken and that you need to be fixed. Yeah. And you know, if you're walking around your whole life thinking that you're broken and that you need fixed, that you need fixing, you, you always gonna assume that the power's outside of yourself. And, and this, this goes back to, to school days even. The educational system has taught us that we're broken, that we need to be fixed. The educational system has taught us, we've got an educational system that's built on the second industrial revolution. So when Henry Ford created the, the, the second industrial revolution, when he created the automotive plant that you could automate machines and, and like, you know, be factory workers that are just, and it does the same thing and it produces the same results all the time. That's the educational system that we've all been molded around. But we're living in the fourth industrial revolution and, and the, the only successful people, the only people who are gonna thrive through these times is the people who can create, is the people who can adapt and innovate. And the only way that you truly can do that is you need to flip the script because you need to understand that, that you're not broken, that you actually have the power in you and you just need to take that out and go and create. And the, 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 law, the, the passing, the leaving message, I, I guess, that I'd love to leave you with is that your answer doesn't lie in a guru. Your answer doesn't lie in me. Although you come to my training, I will transform the way that you see yourself, the way you see life, and you will get results like immediately. Mm. But it's not the answer to your life. What any and every guru or mentor is, is somebody to learn from that you can understand their perception. You can understand the way that they see the world, that you can understand the way that they, they act in the world. And that's the most important thing to get from a mentor is not their strategy, it's not their, their tactic. Although those things are important, but remember mechanics are only 20% of your results. The other 80% is your psychology. So if you can understand the psychology behind your mentors and your gurus, if you can understand that and yes, learn from their tactics and tools, but their tactics and tools isn't gonna work for you necessarily. It's not, might not work for everybody. I'm sure you've done plenty of courses where I've shown you tactics and tools that's working for them, but it's not working for you. Why? Because their psychology is different and you are different. Mm -hmm. So instead of hanging back and waiting for the holy grail, the magic pill, the silver bullet, rather take what you've learned, go and apply it, see what works, see what doesn't, and make it your own because the power always lies within you. And as you're going, you're going to see what works, you're going to see what doesn't work, and get out there and keep doing it. And remember, keep it simple. It's all about the momentum. Without the momentum, you'll never be able to confide in yourself. And you're never going to create momentum without taking action because it's the law of inertia. You know, it's, that's all it is. It's the law of inertia. A body in motion is easier to keep in motion than it is to push a still body into motion. Mm. Like they say, the most difficult part about running is not running. It's putting your running shoes on. You know, so in other words, it's taking the action. And if it's, it's always going to be tedious in the beginning because you're, you're starting a new motion. You're starting a new energy. But if you can just break that habit and you can start creating that new thing and just take the actions in spite of yourself. I love DJ Fresh because he always says at the end of every show, have a great evening in spite of yourself. So if you can create that momentum, if you can create that action in spite of yourself, whatever you're feeling, whatever inadequacies you're feeling, whatever fear you're feeling, taking the action anyway, that's what starts building confidence because now you can start confiding in yourself and you start building trust in yourself. That trust in yourself, that momentum builds confidence and that's what creates the magic in your life that you're after. Not a magic pill, not a magic formula, not information. It's none of that. It's action. 
Awesome, Craig. So thank you, thank you so much for, for joining me here. Thank you for the, the, the massive introspection that you're giving us here. And, and I think this is, this is exactly it. This is the life. We want, you want to create a life that's different. You want to, even if you're successful, keep adapting to this because we, we, we always need to get that little bit of perspective and then just keep on out there drumming it and, and, and knocking at the doors of success as we want it. So thank you so much for joining me, man. Um, so, 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 so what's, what's, what's next for you? What, what, besides, so you got the, you got the online course going, um, you're writing the book. What else, what, what else is in the, in the, can we look forward to from, from Craig? Uh, frequency? Creating, I'd say creating pipelines to, um, to support small businesses in the bigger picture, right? Awesome. Um, teaching people how to three X their businesses. And that's on a technical basis, not a psychological basis. Um, so I did three extra business in 90 days. So that's something that we, we are currently busy on. It's obviously just a chaotic end of the year, but we, we're looking to start that in the new year. And then my sales courses, um, getting those going because the, I just believe the two of those together, you've got the technical aspect, getting your leads in and, and getting growing a business from that perspective, as well as the, the, the psychology behind sales and understanding the sales process with the two of them is, is a, a winning formula. And, you know, the, the stars are your, even beyond the stars is your limit once you've got those two. So that's, that's where I'm moving into. That's how I've had to readapt myself. I've never imagined this um, a few years ago. But yeah. I just really looked at it, you know. I spent, I, I did some reflection. I spent 175,000 on Facebook marketing over two years. And that turnover in my business, uh, that created 1.2 million rand turnover in my business over two years. You know, um, and it's just a no-brainer. You know, from, right. you look at 175,000 you go, wow. But bearing in mind, it was over two years. And you look at the income from that two years, you know, it's just a no-brainer. So people understand sure. that and the psychology behind it all. You know, I think that's, that's where the magic sets, huh? Wow, Supporting awesome. small businesses in the biggest picture. Well, thank you very much. I think that's really awesome. I, you don't need to sell me on Facebook ads. I mean, that's, that, that, that stuff works. And I'm um, looking forward to reconnecting again next year when, when you've got everything up and running and keep going against the grain. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. Cool, Thanks for the opportunity and I hope we served you guys. And I hope you thoroughly enjoyed it. Over and out. Ciao.